Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Are you well this morning? Really? <laughs> Are you well this morning? Come on, it's so important that you take up an attitude of gratitude every single day. It doesn't just happen because the sun rose. Amen? Tell your neighbor, God is going to change your life this morning. <laughs> Either inside or from the outside, but something's going to move. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And how many of you have been blessed by that, yeah? And we really believe that the Holy Spirit is the, the critical factor that makes a difference between one person and the other one. And this morning, we've got a wonderful privilege of welcoming one of the leaders within our movement. And Stephen, uh, Steve Haynes is here this morning, and he will be ministering to us. He's married, and they've got four children together. He said to me, if, if you don't have four children, you are not an every nation pastor. <laughs> Anyway, we'll check if that's in the Bible. <laughs> and this morning, he will be sharing with us. Won't you come, Stephen? We just want to pray for you. I really want to ask us to open up our hearts to him. Stretch forth your hands as we pray for him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that our hearts are open to Steve as he shares with us, Lord God. And I thank you, God, that we will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. So I can promise you that before I had kids, I didn't have any gray hairs. And a couple of years later, I'm like, oh, my goodness. So they are a blessing from the Lord. I keep reminding myself there's a scripture that says that gray hair is a crown of splendor. So I'm like, well, I've got my own crown. I am quite happy with that. Uh, but how are you all this morning? Um, I'm from Cape Town, and uh, it has been freezing. So I've loved the fact actually coming up here and having these warm days. The evenings are cool, but the days are warm. This actually reminds me, I grew up in Peter Maritzburg, and it's very similar weather to Peter Maritzburg, uh, where it's sort of 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, the temperature plummets. And then at about 10 o'clock, it thaws out, you're wearing a T-shirt uh, by the middle of the day. So I've actually really enjoyed your weather, um, your hospitality. We've had an absolute blast the last couple of days. Uh, we had a soaking camp on Friday nights and Saturday, just meeting with Jesus, spending time with Him. Uh, we saw a number of people just uh, getting delivered, uh, realigning with their calling, having just heart encounters with the Lord. Uh, one person got completely healed without anyone laying hands on them. It was just while they were at the camp. Um, so he's alive, amen? amen. And uh, he's doing stuff in our midst. And uh, I want to share a little bit this morning. But before I do, I actually have a couple of words of knowledge that I, I want to share. Um, and we, I want to I give attention to the word because there's a word that I really felt strongly in my heart. And so I want to share these words. But what I'm going to ask is that afterwards... I'm going to have you come to the front for healing afterwards. We're going to pray for you on the side, as well as there's another group of people that I want to pray for afterwards. But the first one was just during worship, I felt, I felt God say there's a washing away of tears. I felt like there's been an injustice uh, socially, politically, 
that some of you have faced. And I feel that for, for some of you, it might be one person, it might be a couple of you, it's still very raw. Um, and, and God's wanting to minister into that today. And uh, so I just saw him saying, washing away of, of tears. So if that is you, I want you to come to the front afterwards. God wants to minister. He is the comforter. He is the healer. Amen. And uh, he wants to minister to you today. Um, secondly, if there's anyone here who you have prostate cancer, I felt like that was a word that God gave me this morning. Prostate cancer, God wants to heal that. And so I, I invite you, come Respond by faith. You know, so often in the Bible, when you read about healing, healing is one of my passions. Um, I love watching God at work. But one of the things that you read is that so often people received their healing when they responded. So Jesus says um, to the lepers, he says, go show yourself to the Pharisees. Do you know what he actually was telling them to do? In that culture, they had to go around saying they're unclean. So they had to get, go to the Pharisees to prove that they were clean again. So he's saying to them, go show the Pharisees that you are clean. And it says that as they went. Now, what does as they went mean? It means that when they left, they weren't. So they looked at their bodies and they still had leprosy and they had a decision to make in that moment. Do I believe Jesus and respond or do I look at my body and say, you know what, Jesus, thank you, but I can't go to the, to the Pharisees. I still have leprosy. But it says that as they went, there's something about responding to the word of the Lord that brings healing. And so if that's you with prostate cancer, I invite you to come. Right, right gland under the arm. I felt like there's someone here, you've got pain sort of underneath your arm here on your right-hand side. Come to the front afterwards. And then lastly, your right wrist. Um, so those are the four specific ones that I had. But also, I want to just say this. God is a healer, full stop. And so we have a ministry team that if you need healing for anything else besides those four, come to the front. I can't guarantee that I will pray for you because there is something specific. But it's the Holy Spirit who heals, right? So come to the front. We have a ministry team. They're going to pray with you. God's going to meet with you today. Um, and then I wanted to share this, just I had a prophetic sense about this church. I, I really felt like there's a ravaging torrent of his presence that'll go forth from this place. And the picture I got was this wave of water coming up this well that, that came up, gushed up, and then was going in waves into the city. And what, what struck me was that it didn't shoot up. You know when you, when you drill down and it hits water and it shoots it didn't do that. And I was like, God, what, what's with that? I mean, surely that's the, the picture you want, you know, this, this huge thing of water. And he said to me, he said, the, the picture I'm showing you is that the emphasis is not on the heart, but the width that it's going to go. That God's presence is going to go from here. And I even feel like this land, I don't know the history of this area, and I feel like there's something significant about this land, like this where you guys are building now. There's something significant about what God wants to do and how it's going to impact the city. But it's going to be a well of His presence. It's going to be a place where you're going to dig a well that's going to impact. Amen? Amen. We need to see the kingdom of God come into all of society. Amen. All right. So that's my family. As you can see there, I've been married 16 years to Jackie. And uh, we have four amazing children. So Bethany is my eldest at the back, uh, she's 13 years old. She comes treasure hunting with me. She's getting words of knowledge from people on the streets. 
There's no junior Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, it's amazing. She's actually, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a proud dad. I am a proud dad. But she has one of the most accurate words of knowledge. I'll be standing on the street and she'll tug me and say, Dad, back pain. And I'll call it out and the person's like, yeah, I've got back pain. It's, it's really, I want to take her whenever I go. Um, Zoe, the next one towards, is my youngest daughter. Uh, Jaden, who's got the real, like, fro look, um, is my boy. I finally got my boy. Yes. <laughs> and that was a testimony. Pastor Willem from Potterstrom came to our church. We had had three kids. I said to Jackie, that's it. Factory closed. No more. And, and Pastor Willem came, and he came to the front, and he did what is probably not supposed to be done. We actually teach us. You should never prophesy this. But he stood at the front, and he said, Stephen, I just have to share this. God has told me to tell you that within a year, you'll have a son. And a year later, we had Jaden. Um, and Jaden actually means the Lord has heard. And that's why we felt called. And then Sarah, who's there with me, uh, is my second daughter. And uh, she's just precious. She, she's someone who's just a people person. She just loves people. And uh, so I'm really blessed. An amazing family. And family is good. Amen? Amen. And so I, uh, I run a ministry called Daniel Group. Um, and uh, we're based in Cape Town, as you mentioned, and out of that, probably for, for most of you, you might have heard more about the Supernatural Lifestyle School than Daniel Group, um, and so we run the Supernatural Lifestyle School. We want to see people equipped in the supernatural, how to walk in at the body of Christ, and then we're busy developing a Life Bible School, which is an online Bible school that we want to go into Africa and support churches and seeing the body of Christ equipped, um, and so we have if you want to find out more information about our ministry at the info tables, one of our brochures, you should just grab one of those. All right, so since I do Bible schools and I'm passionate about the Word, grab your Bibles. We're going to get into the Word today. What time are we going? All right, so I want to start by asking some Bible trivia. Who here wants a bar one? Ah, oh, come on, one person. Thank you, thank you. What island was Paul shipwrecked on? Not Patmos, no, that's John, Paul. No, 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 sorry, pastors are excluded. <laughs> Malta, correct. Here we go, catch. Here's a slightly easier one. What was Luke's profession? You can't shout it out. Now I don't know who to give the chocolate to. Was it here? Okay, in order to get it, what were the two books that he wrote? An Acts. Very good. Do you know this one? Who did he write it to? I'm going to make you work for this chocolate. Who did he write Acts to? It wasn't to the church. It got given to the church. Ah, you're giving it away. Anyway, I'll give it to you. Theophilus. Uh, 
Acts 1 verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus. All right, so he was actually writing to a gentleman called Theophilus, and it was then distributed in the Gospels and the book of Acts. All right, last one. Who is Eliezer? The servant of? No. What about Abraham? A friend of Abraham? You close, but no. The servant of Abraham. I was looking for another hand. I'm like... Today I actually want to share a message about the life of Eliezer. Share the story about the servant of Abraham. And what I'm going to do is I'm first going to start by really giving you a summary of the story. Some of you will know the story. But I want to share a summary and then we're going to get into the Bible and we're going to break it down verse by verse because there's a parallel between the life of Eliezer and the call upon the body of Christ to be servants of reconciliation between man and and God. Amen? So in the story, Abraham is concerned about Isaac, his son. He's concerned that his son doesn't have a wife, okay? We know there are some parents out there. Some of you might be the kids like, okay, get off my back, okay? I know I will get married. But Abraham is concerned, and so he calls his servant, Eliezer, and says, I want you to go and find a woman for Isaac. And Eliezer goes and he comes back with a wife. And the reason why this story is so important is that it's going to draw a parallel between a father wanting a bride for his son. Does that sound familiar? And you're going to see how the parallel comes in because it's actually a metaphor for what God is doing. It's a father who's sending a servant out to find the bride and bring the bride back and reconcile the bride back to the son. And that is what we are called to do. It is our calling to be a servant, to go out and bring the bride back to Christ. And so I want you to open your Bibles with me to Genesis 24. It will be on the screen, but I really do encourage you, you know, to get into your Bibles, open your Bibles, bring it to church. Genesis 24, verses 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had. Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now what's interesting about this verse, and this is why I say we're going to stop and we're just going to read about it, is that what's interesting is that neither the King James Version, the New American Standard Version, or the NIV even mention his name. 
They just say Abraham's servant. It's one of the reasons why out of all the Bible trivia questions I asked you, not many of you even knew who he was. Because most of us probably read an NIV like I've just read there, and it doesn't mention his name. In fact, it's only the amplified version that refers to him by name. And the reason why I feel that's so important is that what God's going to do in the last days, he's raising up a nameless generation. He's wanting people who don't have titles. He's wanting people who are not running after things to be the ones who rise up. The next move of God that we're going to see happen is going to happen with the whole body of Christ. We've had amazing generals who have gone before us. We've got people who are pioneering, who are doing things in the kingdom. I love them. I honor them for that. But the next move that's happening is where every single believer steps up to the plate. Where it's not left to the pastors, it's not left to the apostles, it's not left to the prophets, it's left to the kingdom. It's every single believer stepping up. It's the nameless ones, the ones we'll never hear about. The ones whose names will never be on a placard, the ones whose names will never be celebrated here, but one day they'll be celebrated in heaven. Eliezer, no one knew who he was. I mean, for some of you, now you know, so I've given you good warning, but imagine you got to heaven, and you're walking down heaven, and you meet this guy, and you're like, hey, hi, my name's Steve, what's your name? My name's Eliezer. Elihu? <laughs> and you don't even know that you've just missed one of the key puzzle pieces in the Bible, that if it wasn't for this man, the lineage of Christ wouldn't have come to pass. And yet, in most Bible translations, he's not even celebrated by name. And that's what God's calling us to. Are you building for yourself or are you building for his kingdom? Is your business about you? Is your ministry about you? We have to come back to a Christianity where everything is about him. Amen? Where he's the one who paid the price. He's the one who gets the glory. Where we're not building our kingdoms, we're building his kingdom. Amen? We have to embrace it. Look at this scripture. We all know it. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In Matthew 16, 24. And what's interesting about that is that all of us know the scripture. And the one day I was reading the scripture and God said to me, he said, Stephen, just for a moment, and here you've got to hear everything I say, but just for a moment, take the cross out of that statement. And it would say this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And if we just left it there, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Because sometimes, because we so celebrate the cross, we get to that part where it says, if anyone will come after me, he must take up the cross. And we're like, yay, I'm taking up the cross. And we forget the last little bit and deny himself. That's the gospel. When you come to the front and respond to an altar call, man, it's not about the fuzzies. You're coming and you're laying your life down. It's in a change of allegiance, saying, God, I used to live for myself. From today, I'm living for you. 
I choose to deny myself. I choose to walk with you. I choose to honor you. Maybe denying yourself means fasting more. <laughs> because I think, and guys, I, I'm, in this, I'm in this movement where, whereby we are celebrating the goodness of God. We're celebrating rest. We're celebrating Him, all of these things. And one of the things that I've noticed is that in the move, in that sort of culture, people somehow have thought, well, it's all about celebration. We don't need to fast anymore. And I'm like, what? What about denying yourself? What about seeking His kingdom? What about putting aside your flesh? So I, I, was, I was so honored when I came here and I heard that you guys are having this fast this week that you guys broke last night. I'm like, come on. That's what we're talking about. Because there's so much more of God. And it's not a hunger strike. I'm not trying to twist God's arm. He's made everything available. But what I do is I'm separating myself. I'm putting my flesh down. And now I position myself in a better place to receive from Him. Some of the greatest breakthroughs I've ever gotten have been in a time of fasting including I'll share this testimony. At the beginning of this year, I was on an extended fast. And in this time, we started talking about our, our Bible school, what God is speaking to us about. And I had coffee with a gentleman who was doing the recordings at our church, the video recordings. And he runs a media company in Cape Town. And at the end of the coffee, because I was asking him about cameras, what cameras should we get, that sort of thing. At the end of the coffee, he said, Steve, Steve, hang on. This is going to cost you about 100,000 rand just for the equipment. It's going to then take you about two years for you to know all the equipment. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer to do this free of charge for you for the next two years. What, during a time of fasting. And there's, there's some breakthroughs that only come when we actually are just consecrating ourselves going after his face. Amen. So that's a word for someone here. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27, he says, I beat my body. That wasn't a whipping that he was giving himself. He was saying that I subdue it, I put it under my rule. I know what that's like. Believe it or not, I play squash. I know it might not look like it. But I, I play squash league. I've played competitive squash from when I was young. I absolutely love the sport. I know what it means to beat your body. I know what it means to get onto that squash court and run court sprints when your body doesn't feel like running court sprints. Until there's pain in your body. But why do you do it? Because you know the fruit of it. And Paul in the same way is saying, I beat my body. There are things that I know that are not pleasant to my physical body, but I know that the fruit of that will come out in my life. Amen. Carrying on the next, the next verse. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which, he, from which you came? Perhaps the woman is not willing to come back. Isn't it interesting that so often our fear when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to going out, is, but what happens if they don't listen? What happens if, the bride doesn't come back. So, yeah, the bride doesn't come back. What, what happens then? This is what he's asking. Moses said the same thing. How can you send me to Pharaoh? 
What if he doesn't listen? Ezekiel said the same thing. Look at this, Ezekiel 2 verse 1 to 4, he said, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. And as you spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have, who have rebelled, against, rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, and whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. I mean, that's not exactly encouraging. The Lord sends you and says, listen, whether they listen to you or not, at least they know a prophet's been there. It's like, okay, I know I'm in for a bit of a hard time. Our responsibility as believers is not whether people respond to the gospel or not. Our responsibility as believers is to share the gospel. It's to be out there. It's to love on people. We don't know what God is doing in that person's life in that moment. We went treasure hunting the one day, and a group of ladies, so treasure hunting is just prophetic evangelism on the streets, for those who don't know. We went out on the streets, and two of the ladies walked down, and they saw this gentleman who fitted the description on a piece of paper. So they went across, and they started sharing the gospel with this guy, and he's like, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with this. And they walked away. And we had a time of testimonies that evening, and because we celebrate risk, we said, is there anyone here who you feel like, man, it was just a bad day? And these two ladies came and shared. The following day, we went out again with the school, and we went out in the streets, and another two of our ladies, different ladies, were walking down the street when this guy whistled from the other side of the street and said, hey, ladies, come on over here. I want to talk with you. So they're like, okay. And they went across the street and started speaking to this guy about Jesus. And he's like, oh, no, you serious? And he's like, I had some people try and tell me about Jesus yesterday. And this lady was very clever. She turned around and said, you know why? Because God loves you. That he would send us back to you. And he gave his life to the Lord that day. And, and when they came and shared the testimony, God spoke to me and showed me. He said, Stephen, do you see that if you had judged the encounter by the day before, you would have missed it? Because that guy was one link away in the chain from coming into the kingdom. In your mind, it was a failure. In my mind, I was putting a puzzle piece in place for his life for the day later when he's coming into the kingdom. Your responsibility is not the person getting born again. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts. It's the Holy Spirit who will bring them in. Your responsibility is to be the messenger and to share it. Amen? Having said that, watch this. Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from the earth of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning his matter. Verse 7 there, God is saying, or Abraham is saying, don't worry. God's going to send an angel before you to sort it out. 
You know that before you even set foot out of your house every day, God has sent the Holy Spirit before you. We, we sometimes forget that the Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist on the earth. While we are sitting here, He is working all over the world, convicting people of their sin. It's what He does all the time. It's actually one of His job descriptions. He is out there ministering to people. When we step out, and this was a great encouragement for me. Guys, believe it or not, I hated doing outreach. We used to do door-to-door at Varsity. I would like try and skip cell group that evening. I was like, I'm not going. I used to hate it. I'm an introvert by nature, believe it or not. So this was a revelation to me that firstly, he's gone ahead of me. He's actually already at work. We went to a hospital the one time, and uh, we were doing ministry, and, it's, and a group of our ministry team, they went into this one ward, and they were chatting with this lady who was a Hindu. And when they were chatting with her, she wanted nothing to do with them. They said, sorry, I'm Hindu. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And they were about to leave the room, where she said, well, maybe there is one thing you can maybe try and explain to me. She said, I had a dream last night. And in this dream, a woman came up to me and she said, you are going to need this for life. And she gave me a symbol. And I don't know what the symbol means. Do you guys perhaps know? And she took a piece of paper and she drew a cross. She didn't even know what a cross represented. And then she had the gospel with her. And again, it shows you, our team went out, but the night before, God had given this woman a dream. And our team was merely partnering what he's already doing. Amen? It takes the stress off us. It takes the pressure off us. We're not the one saving. We're not the one healing. We're not the one doing any of that. All we're doing is partnering with him, and he's the one who touches people's lives. Amen? Carrying on, then the servant took 10 of the master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. All right, here's a biblical reason for Lebola. (laughs) He took 10 camels and a variety of... Of good things. All right. What do camels represent? Gifts. So the servant goes out with the gifts of the father. You've been doing a series, and I'm sorry, I know I was supposed to speak on this, but we actually felt like this was a message that God put on my heart. Uh, So you're going to carry on the series and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But God gives gifts to woo his bride to him. The ten camels were given to Eliezer not so that he could have a good time. Not so he could go and sell them off and, hey, let's have a party while we go and get this lady. No, no, their gifts were for the bride-to-be. God gives his gifts, and he's like, you know what? The gifts are not primarily for you. If you were here at Passion Night, it was great. You would have heard a little bit of my heart in regards to this. God's going to pour out His gifts, but it has to be out there. 
out there. Jesus did most of his miracles on the streets, not in the temple. He did a couple in the temple, the man with the shriveled hand, but most of the miracles were taking place on the streets. Most of the miracles of the apostles were on the streets. Why have we brought it from the streets into the church? Hmm? Come on, if we're going to be a biblical church, let's do it biblically. We've got to be out there. Wherever you are, it's not a pastor. We've had people in their business who are waiting for the, the photocopy machine, who while they're waiting, they hear one of the guys, oh, I think I'm going to go home. I've got such a headache. And they just say, well, while I'm waiting, do you mind if I pray for you? And they pray for the person, they get healed on the spot there. Why? They don't see it as a separation of, well, that's for church and this is for you. No, they're like, I carry the Holy Spirit inside of me. He's here with me. Let me pray for you. We've got to take it out. God will send us with the gifts. Uh, I, was, I was flying the one time to go and do um, ministry. Jackie and I were flying. And as we got into the airplane, there was this lady who came and sat next to me, this young lady. And I, I felt like, I just felt in my heart like I needed to share with her. Have you ever felt that? I don't know what. I just felt like I needed to share with her. So anyway, so, so Jackie gets in and she sits by the window. I'm in the middle seat and this lady comes and she sits next to me. So I'm like, okay, Lord. What are you going to use? So, so I turned to Jackie and I said, Jackie, just pray. I'm going to share with her. Um, next minute, she pulls out Purpose Driven Life. So I'm like, yeah, come on. Connection points. I'm going to use this. So I start a conversation with her. Um, she says, no, she's actually a daughter of a pastor. Um, and then she just shuts off the conversation. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? So I turned to Jackie and I said, Jax, you're not praying hard enough. So, so Jackie, Jackie turns to me and she's like, get a word of knowledge. So I'm like, okay, submit to your wife. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying about her? And next one, I get a picture of this huge boulder and her standing on the one side of the boulder. And so I turn to her and I say, look, I'm sorry to disturb you again, but I just, while I'm sitting here, I got a picture of this huge boulder and you standing on the one side of it. And it's like you're trying to get across to the other side. Does that mean anything to you? And she said, you know, it's funny, but every time I try and pray, I feel like there's this huge boulder between me and God. And I said, why do you feel that is? And she started to share about her life and how she's backslidden. She's not walking with God. She's sinning. And she knows that those things are getting between her and God. And it was a two-hour flight, so I had a bit of time. So I said, I want to show you about the prodigal son. And I opened up my Bible, and I took her, and I said, what is the father's reaction to the prodigal son? He runs. And with tears coming down her face, I led her back to Christ on the plane. And it was, and the reason I share that story is that in my own strength, I got nowhere. It was plain and simple. But when the gift of God came in, suddenly a person's heart opened up and they got born again. The second point in regards to that that I want to quickly touch on is that Eliezer also couldn't claim that the camels were his. How stupid would it be if Eliezer rocked up and said, hey, look at me. Look at my camels. And you'd be like, no, you're a servant. Those belong to the master. When God gives you gifts, 
You don't stand there, ah, look at me. Look at the gifts I have. No, no, that's as stupid as Eliezer saying, look at the gifts. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're his gifts. They come from the Father. They're meant to give him glory, never us glory. Amen? That's just a little side point. All right, so carrying on. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. All right, quickly, some quick points on that one. He didn't go to the temple. He went to the watering hole. Why, why am I bringing that up? So many of us, we're praying and then we're waiting in the temple. He's praying and then he's partnering with what God's going to do. Amen? Some of us have got to get out of there. We're waiting for a spouse. But we're not meeting people. You got to get out there and meet people. You got to partner with what God is doing. Amen. I hope I just haven't shot myself right there. <laughs> Second service. Edit it out. You got to partner with what He's doing. Where's He taking you? Some of you have received prophetic words. You're waiting for some other prophetic word to just drop out of heaven. Prophetic analysis paralysis. You've got to engage the word that God's given you. You've got to pray it into being. You've got to do the training if there's training needed. You've got to partner with what God's saying. He's not going to, you know, one day say, oh, I'm going to put you in front of kings. And you're like, oh, great. I'm going to sit on my couch all day. No, no, no. Maybe he needs you to get some skill sets so that he can put you in front of kings. Amen. You've got to partner with what he's doing. The servant here wasn't ignorant of that. He prayed, he trusted God, but he was also at the place where he knew the women were coming. I'm not saying go to pubs and bars and that. Don't read into what I'm not saying, okay? Carrying on. Before he had finished speaking, behold... Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Before he was finished praying. <laughs> what makes you think that God was more excited to bring Rebekah along than he was? I mean, he's like, God, please do this. Please. And, and his eyes are closed. But meanwhile, she's already coming. I had the one time I was praying for this, this young kid in youth ministry. And he came forward. He gave his life to Jesus. Or he's coming, he was at the front to give his life to Jesus. And he came from the, the gang area in Cape Town. And I was chatting to him. And I said to him, I said, do you realize the price you need to pay for this? Do you realize that if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to go back? 
You have to face those friends. You have to face your family. You've got to face all those things. I'm not going to be there. The church will not be there every minute of the day for you. We will support you whatever way we can. But do you realize the commitment you're making? And this boy looked at me. He said, I've got no other choice. I want this. And I said, okay, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I started praying the Lord's, not the Lord's prayer. I started praying the sinner's prayer with this young man. And halfway through the sinner's prayer, it changed from English to tongues. His eyes went like this. My eyes went like this. I was just like, that's crazy. God was so excited about this young man. But God also knew this young man needs such an encounter with me because he's going to need it when he goes back. He needs to know undeniably that I've met with him today that he can rely on me. And that's why God did it. And this is what happened here with Eliezer, is God comes through. God is more excited to give than we are so often to receive. Then the servant ran, carry on. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me water to drink from the jar. She said, drink my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Note that. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all her camels. Bingo! The magic words. I will get for your camels too. He's like, yes! What was she doing? Serving. She's about to have the greatest encounter in her destiny of her life. And she didn't know it. All she was doing was serving. All she said was, let me get your camel some water. And something happened in the spirit in that moment. Where she actually in the spirit was, you now the spouse. The destiny of God is intertwined into your life. Sometimes a menial task that God asks us to do, that we think we're above that, is actually just a test to see whether it will be the bingo for your destiny. If she just hadn't offered the camels, she would have gone home a single lady. <laughs> That's a good word right there. <laughs> what is God asking you to do? It might be the smallest thing. Some of you might be just saying, you know what, I want you to help out in a certain area of ministry here at the church. We're like, no, 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 but I'm called to preach the word. Well, maybe God's asking you to serve, and that'll unlock the destiny in your heart. Amen? We've got to be like Jesus, who was the greatest servant. And we don't serve to become leaders. We continue to serve. We're always serving. Always serving in one way or another. And so this is the group of people that I want to really pray for this morning as we finish off. This whole story is a story about saying that you are a servant. God, I will go by the power of the Holy Spirit and I will bring the bride back. There are some of you here who you feel a stirring inside of your heart for evangelism. 
as I'm preaching, you can feel it. You can feel this thing. Yes, 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 yes. That's me. All right? That means you'll probably have a call of an evangelist. We are all called to be witnesses, but there are some people who are graced in the area of evangelism. Okay? I don't want to get there. If you want more information about that, speak to your pastor at Bible school. Or, but there are some of you here who you feel that right now. And those are the people I want to pray with, specifically. I want to pray with you if you feel like evangelism is an area that you feel called to. Who is that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. Don't you want to come? Thank you. Thank you for being on. Come to the front. Come to the front. I want you to step out because I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm trusting God for an impartation in your lives to go deeper. That God will open up the doors for you. That He would give you a supernatural boldness. Amen. Just because you're an evangelist doesn't mean that we don't get nervous and scared sometimes, all right? Every time I go out, my heart's like, oh my goodness. That God will give you a supernatural boldness. Is there anyone else here who you, you feel like you need to be in this prayer? All right. Let's stretch our hands towards Him. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for every single one of these people who's responding to that feeling in their heart, Father, the feeling of wanting to reconcile people, being servants of reconciliation, servants of reconciliation. And Father, we just call forth the evangelist, God. We call forth the evangelist. We call forth those people, Father, who will take the gospel, Father. We call forth those people, Father, who will raise up other people to be evangelists and to be witnesses, God. And so we speak life, boldness over them, Father. We ask you, Father, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to function through them, God, that as they go out onto the streets, as they go into the marketplace, into university campuses, wherever they go, Father, that they would carry your Holy Spirit in its power, Father. We release the anointing for healing right now in Jesus' name, that, Father, that you would grace them with a healing anointing that they would be able to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That, Father, that souls, souls, souls would come into the kingdom. Give them a burden, Father. Give them a burden, Father. Give them a burden, Father, that they can't look at things the same way anymore, God, that they would see society in a different way, God, that when they walk onto planes, when they catch a taxi, when they're doing life, God, that their heart cries out for the broken. The heart cries out for the lost, Father. Give them this heart. And Father, I pray for every single one of us, Father. We are all called to be witnesses, God. We are all called, Father. And I pray, God, that you would give every single one in this congregation that heart. Open up our eyes, God. The Bible says, lift up your eyes to the harvest. There's something about lifting up your eyes off yourself to view out the harvest that's there. God, open our eyes to the harvest. May we see it. May it even distress us, God, that we would be so burdened by the state of people's well-being, Father, that we would want to share who Christ is and what He did on the cross. And so, Father, we bless You. Thank You, Father, that we don't do this on our own. <laughs> Thank You, Father, that that you send those 10 camels with us. Thank you, Father, that you send your Holy Spirit with us, Father. And so, Father, I just release just more of your grace, more of your grace, more of your grace over every person, Father. 
more of your grace, more of you, Holy Spirit, in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, now one thing I'm going to I'm going to stress this. Be on the lookout. In the next day or so, God's going to bring someone across your path. You don't pray a prayer like that without him responding. He'll bring someone across your path. Keep a lookout. He says, if you're faithful to little, you'll make you rule over much. When that person comes, step over that line. When you feel that, oh, no, I'm not sure I can do this. Step over that line, that chicken line, and say, okay, God, help me in this moment. Help me in this moment and minister to that person. Amen. Amen. Can we give these guys a round of applause? Can I also, I want to, I want to quickly make a point of clarification. You are responding to what God's doing in your heart. Okay? There's an outworking of that that you need to do with your leadership team to talk with them, get involved with whatever evangelism things they're doing. Why? Because let God train you in these things. It also, for clarity's sake, because we do live in Africa, I haven't just ordained you as an evangelist. <laughs> All right? Now you got there. Evangelist so-and-so. All right? No, no, no. What you're responding to is that you feel in your heart, this is a passion of yours. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.